0: Joining me now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from the Freeborn County Fair. Hello, Al.
1: The uh, best six days at, uh, in Freeborn County, they tell me. So it's a beautiful day. Gosh, I'll be, when i be here till 11 tonight, I guess. So it gets, gets to be a full day and- uh, Well, they, where are you?
0: Are you in a booth someplace representing something or what are you up to, or just uh, standing in the middle of the fairgrounds with your phone talking to me <laughs> or what? Uh,
1: I'm a superintendent oh. at the fair, so I have been for, I don't know, 30 years, I suppose, maybe something like that. been a long time anyway, so no. uh, you'd think I'd know better by now, but I guess I don't. Ooh. So it, it's it's fun.
0: Where is the Freeborn County Fair? I'm not real familiar with it. I've never been to it, so tell us a little bit about it.
1: It's in Albert Lee, and uh, the big group probably tomorrow, the Oak Ridge Boys will be here. The Gentle Blossoms are here. Uh, the, a young lady who is 15 years old, and I was going to look her name up after we talked last week, but I, I didn't. She won some kind of America's Got Talent or oh. some—I don't know. She's a 15-year-old ventriloquist that everybody goes, uh, as soon as they talk about her, they get all kind of mushy looking. So I guess she's very, very.
0: Good. Yeah, I've seen her on the show, and she's uh, she's amazing. That's cool.
1: And then Sawyer Brown is here, Uh, so there'll be some big groups. We uh, get uh, a lot of people coming into the grandstand. It'll be interesting this year to see the response we get because we're going to need to... uh, People can come on the fairgrounds with no problem, but we need to wand them and check bags when they go into the grandstand at the request of all the performers who are putting it in their contract that they want everybody checked for weapons so wow. it's, a, okay. it's a it's a new world <laughs> yeah. would whatever thought about something like that but you know i can't blame them either that they do things like this so so it's a it's a fun fair uh I don't know, we have 48 places to eat i think uh, nobody should starve here if they can rub a couple nickels together. Uh, I'm just uh, outside the conservation booth, and we have a Polaris 4x4 570 I think is uh, that we're giving away a Mossberg 12 gauge is being given away a number uh, we're giving a rain barrel every day away here uh, of course a bunch of posters and that sort of thing so be a lot of stuff going on and uh, this time of day it's a little bit quiet because it's the uh, first day of the fair. So. A lot of kids roaming around and then a lot of uh, people that look weary already dragging their stuff into the I always called it the Rube building which is it's not very it's not very kind to call it the Rube building but uh, you all know it is uh, where the vendors are that are selling all kinds of things under the sun and having you sign up for stuff so if you go through and sign up for everything you will um, you'll have company for the rest of the year, I think, is the secret to doing that. So it's, it's a fun fair, as all fairs are, and we are expecting a, a record crowd, I think, this year, just because uh, people want to get out and do stuff. Get
0: out before it all shuts I, down again is what I'm thinking. <laughs> do it quick.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's six days, so we run through Sunday. The last day is a demolition derby, which... Uh, uh I get the last time i was at a demolition derby I, it was a jc and we were uh, kind of in charge of it then so that's been a, a couple of years because you turn 35 and they boot you out you become a exhausted rooster i think i became and uh, you just uh exhausted roosters at that time you just hand them your money and you don't have any rights or get to vote or anything or pretty much do anything I do want to thank everybody on the Pelican Breeze. Uh, we had another nice trip. The next one is on August 8th. And if anybody would like to join us, it's a Sunday at 1.30. Just go to pelicanbreeze.org. And I'd like to thank everybody at the Mona Iowa Drive-In, Sunday night. Got to be on stage. And uh, people, they're in their cars. So when you're done, they all honk. It's it's pretty cool. uh, And where is Mona? Pastor Scott Meyer told me that Mona is more a state of mind than a location. And as near as I can figure, Mona has one business, and that's a smoke store. And that's the only thing that's in Mona anymore, but it's between Lyle and St. Ansgar. So um, nobody—people— don't flock there for many things, but a lot of people came for the drive, and it was great fun. Hmm. An Australian study, Karen, has found there are about six wild birds for every human on the planet, and I hope that number is low. I hope there's more than six, but that's what they found. Uh, I do know that chickens outnumber humans on this planet about three to one, so there's a lot more. the <laughs> The one bird that has a higher population than any other bird is the domestic chicken. They really? I was thinking
0: sparrows, Some for some reason, sparrows seem like they would outnumber chickens to me.
1: No, they all fall far short of really? the chicken. Huh. I watched a, a possum the other day, meander, and I know some people say opossum, so then you have to say I watched an opossum, <laughs> and... I, I thought, what's a nervous tick? It's one that sees a possum <laughs> head its way. How many ticks do they eat? Who knows? Check with a guy, Rick Osfield. Uh, Osfeld, sorry, Rick. He's a senior scientist at the Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies. Said possums are extraordinarily good groomers, it turns out. We never would have thought that ahead of time, but they kill the vast majority, more than 95 percent of the ticks that try to feed on them. So these possums are walking around the forest floor, hoovering up ticks right and left, Killing over ninety percent of these things, and so they're really protecting our health. So that's nice to hear. Good. I things have a about question. A why?
0: Why is there the difference? Why is there a possum and an opossum? I mean, who? Which is the correct way? And why is it like a nickname or what?
1: Yeah, our ancestors dropped that o for some reason when they were just talking amongst themselves or at the local cafe. They'd say, "Yeah, I saw a possum yesterday," so they dropped the o. I, I don't know why, you know, there's a lot of things in the English language. You say, why did they do that? And they say, well, I don't know. It's just Maybe the way it worked out.
0: It was because the Beverly Hillbillies, because it wouldn't sound as good if you said, oh, Granny's, oh, possum pie. It sounds better to say Granny's possum yeah. pie, right?
1: Yeah, possum and grits. Yes. Oh, that sounds good. I love grits, but I think I might pass on the possum. <laughs> oh, I watched some uh, circling turkey vultures yesterday, and their populations increased where sugar cane grows because vultures feed on animals killed by the annual burning of the cane and numbers of vultures really took a jump in the 19th century with bison slaughters and livestock epidemics and the increased availability of road killed animals caused by escalated vehicular use of roads may contribute to the range expansion. So I figure some of the vultures have followed the pavement to Minnesota. They come up here and they can just find a place to eat on the way as long as there's a, a paved road. Gravel roads too, but you know, they just don't provide as much food. Uh, Daniel Otten of Hayward saw a, sent me a photo, and it's a yellow butterfly and a black butterfly. And he said, what's going on here? And the male eastern tiger swallowtail is always yellow, but the female is sometimes black, so he had a pair. Uh, Lori Hagen of Heartland found a white dove with dark eyes and said no bands. She was wondering what's going on. The, you know, they do release them at weddings,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're supposed to go back to where they came from. But sometimes they will uh, get lost. They'll get nicked by a hawk, maybe. I don't know that these white doves are very uh, street smart, so they're not always good at being around hawks. So I'm guessing that's what happened.
0: What is the incentive Uh, for those doves to come back? I mean, is it just because they've got... Oh, so food. So if the, maybe they found a better source of food somewhere, would they perhaps not that could come be, back?
1: Yeah. I mean that could be. Knowing Laurie, she's feeding this thing like a. It'll never want to go anywhere again. But yeah, they're they're used to going back to the place where they live. They have this coop that they go into, and they have food there. And you know how it is. We we're on the road. You know, you're on vacation, and you're eating here, and you're eating there then uh, there comes that one day you say boy i can't wait to get home and have a, a meal at home and mm-hmm. i guess these guys are kind of that way they travel a little bit but boy they're happy to get home uh tom jones sent me a photo and tom it looks uh no, tom is from albert lee uh, it looks like a chlorophyllum uh, common names would be false Parasol, what else? Green spotted parasol. And their best name, vomiter. Oh, who wouldn't like a mushroom in the yard? It's called a vomiter. And it's a widespread mushroom. Um, mushroom folks tell me that it's highly poisonous and produces severe gastrointestinal symptoms of vomiting and diarrhea. So it's called a vomiter, but I suppose it could be called a diarrhea. It's uh, commonly confused with a shaggy parasol or the shaggy mane that a lot of folks have heard of. And it's the most commonly consumed poisonous mushroom in North America. I think that was the CDC I found that. Uh, Gordon Hopp, uh, he's from Unadilla in southeast Nebraska. He keeps, he's, I think, the country's biggest producer of bluebirds. And he said of July as of July 15th, He had 338 boxes. Uh, Many years he has around 400, but there weren't many bluebirds this year. He did get 91 of those boxes had bluebird nests in. So he said it was 10%. Now it's probably up to 26% that he has. So it's just a small percent of bluebirds that he has from what he normally has. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee sent me photos of a yellow warbler. He has a water feature and he just gets great photos because they all come into this little bit of running water in his backyard. And he had a prothonotary warbler there this summer, or this spring, sorry. And he was wondering where flycatchers drink. Why aren't they in there? And I know uh, there are things like the uh, oh, phase phoebe that you would find in North Dakota and places. They don't drink, really. They just find, they get enough moisture from what they eat from out of uh, insects and stuff. And I've noticed here, too, that uh, our flycatchers, while they may have a sip now and then, they're not big at coming to uh, water. Uh, Robert Jessen of Rochester said he was out golfing, and they have resident red tails there. They nest in a wooded area brought two of their young to the golf course where it's common to see them sometimes even all four at once flying and soaring lots of chatter said yesterday on the fifth green and the sixth tee one was soaring above us calling another red tail came flying in 10 to 20 feet above the one calling all of a sudden it dropped a mouse or a shrew and the hawk below it caught it in midair in its beak (laughs) wow The hawk took it to the bare treetop, and the other hawk landed in another bare top 50 feet away. The hawk that caught the mouse kept calling, and I thought it dropped the mouse, but before we left the tee, the hawk quit calling and had lunch. That catch in midair was quite a sight. One would assume it was a parent and a youngster, but who knows? Oh, uh, You asked me a great question, Karen. How does the poor air quality affect birds and other critters? Uh, boy we've had some days that have been um, politely called hazy they've been smoky and you know the effects of air pollution on human health has been well documented Mm -hmm. and we've also done a lot of research on how it affects plants and animals probably because animals a lot like us they suffer the same way there hasn't been an very much done on how it affects birds. And it's funny because the use of caged birds to alert miners to the invisible dangers of gases such as carbon monoxide gave rise to that uh, cautionary metaphor of the canary in a coal mine. There's been some on ozone pollution and how damaging that is to birds. But I don't know. These If birds, also research on effects of wildfire smoke on bird behavior, I guess is limited would be a polite way to say it. Uh, I'm sure it causes thermal and chemical damage to avian lung tissues. It would have to. So it would increase avian risk of infection. And what's good for the birds is good for people. So I guess... It uh, can't do them much good either. Well, I think and you got a post.
0: Oh no, I, yeah, I think I saw a comment about the somebody on the, one of the Facebook sites talking about how they thought the birds were panting, and I don't know if birds pant normally, but they thought maybe it was because of the air quality or something. And do birds pant anyway?
1: Yeah, they do something oh. called the gular fluttering, and that's on hot days, and they don't oh. sweat. Okay. And uh, so instead of sweating like us, just standing there like me, and it's running off you, and you're <laughs> disgusting. They, they don't. So they do this cooler fluttering, and that helps cool them off. So it's, uh, and you see it quite a bit. I see them on uh, hot sun days. They'll come in and they'll just spread out because they're taking a sun bath, and then they get done with a sun bath, and then they just pant for a oh. while because it's it's hot. Yeah, and you got a Kleenex postcard from John.
0: Another Kleenex. He must be working on that box, or use a lot of Kleenexes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's a cool thing he did. One. Um, what did the fisherman say to the magician?
0: Let me think. A glass of change. I forgot already. What did? What was the answer?
1: <laughs> Pick a cod. Any, any cod. cod.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now. Yeah.
1: He said he saw a cicada wasp with a cicada. I just uh, closed my garage door. I had to leave it open. I was closing it, and I saw a cicada killer uh, queen in there, a female. So I had I, she's not really a queen, I guess, but female. Uh, John said he used his shoe as a fly swatter. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't can't read any more of that, John. I love those cicada killers. No, no, he didn't uh, kill it two- though. Keep reading. Okay, but them both on my driveway to take a picture might send pictures someday
0: so he used his uh, he used his it to not to to squish it but he used it to pick it up and then
1: oh yeah. okay cool yeah he's back on my good list then okay uh, i know people uh a lot of folks there's a guy stops at the fair here always oh, he has a pile of them to show me and um, I just uh, I make a face and he said well they bug me and I said yeah I know but they're just trying to get by they're only here for about a month do they
0: bother uh, people again the cicada killer wasps isn't it just wasps they are the cicadas they pretty much bother or can they bother us too
1: um the males cannot sting they don't have a stinger so they just buzz at us they're a little bit smaller the females can sting oh. but it's pointless they don't want to sting; they want to sting a cicada and that's their whole purpose in life is to uh, paralyze a cicada so they can lay eggs in it. So it's um, it, it, it just um, a waste of time and energy to, uh, well, we have more helicopters and planes and everything going over here all the time.
0: I thought it was your cat purring is what I first was thinking. I thought, wow, that's a loud purr. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this one went right over the tent and I'm talking in. Uh, we, out at the farm, we have, uh, crop dusters. So Gail says, uh, she's under attack there because they're going right over the, the roof of the house. Uh, John saw two sandhill cranes, uh, by his dad's yard. A deer six block away from dad's got hit by a car. Saw, one turkey, yellow jacket wasp nest in dad's front yard. And John, a stamp guy, says stamps may go up three cents each towards the end of August. A, uh, it's a uh, August 29th, I believe, is when it goes. Uh, P. Jean, okay, I always want to call her Shampoo. It's C-H-A-M-P-O-U-X, but it's Shampoo. Uh-huh. And she, she says, long time, no words from me. My son plays golf nearby that has an eagle's nest within view. It also has the remains of unwary squirrels and other critters, especially when their eggs hatched. Count two more bald eagles in Ohio. Uh, Vicky and Tom Laroon said hi, Al. This last month has included lots of heat and some relief at water retreats. Sunday out at the Red Jacket Bridge Pit. We were awed by an osprey diving and snagging a fairly large fish, fascinating. And up on Lake Superior, we're lucky enough to see and hear a pair of loons and a third. There were red-throated grebes, large dancer families, and my favorite, the mallard hen and her chicks, who watchfully herded seven tired ducklings up onto the rock one by one and watched them huddle to nap. Um... And the hummingbirds, Vicki said, changing the nectar every other day in this heat. Today at home, a finch landed in my flocks and one by one nibbled flowers at the bud end. Can you tell me about that? Hope to listen tomorrow, but we'll be running home from appointment to listen. If we cannot make it on time, is there another way we can hear the KMSU broadcast? Yes. I'll let you, ha- there, yep, there. you can answer that question and I'll hit the finches.
0: Yes, because you can go to KMS, to the SoundCloud and then go KMSU, and then you'll be able to go to Playlist, and it'll be under Albat. Otherwise, we also have a two-week um, go-to-the-KMSU webpage, and we archive shows for two weeks. So any show, you can go to KMSU to Minnesota Morning, and you can go on ALBAD and find it there. So we archive for two weeks. They're, they're held. So that's a neat way for people to go back and, and listen in case you want to re-listen or if you missed some of it.
1: And a lot of other wonderful shows on there. So it's it's a good place to go. Uh, why do birds eat buds and flowers? Uh, they, I, I guess simply they're nutritious. And some experts claim that the flowers are actually more nutritious than the buds. Really? I yep. mean, the
0: buds are, I would think the buds would be more nutritious because it's like they're more concentrated.
1: You would think so. Yeah. And they're easier to deep fry, too, <laughs> okay. which would make them much, yeah. much better.
0: Right. Hey, Al, I've got a, a note from one of our listeners who has uh, one of your books. She bought one for her. Uh, dad, and she also had uh, some other relatives, and she says, I'm hearing Al Bat. It reminds me that the other day my Aunt Mary told me how much she and the others at the nursing home enjoyed reading Al's book. She said she would be sitting in her room laughing, and a worker would come out around to see if everything was all right, what she was laughing about. And it was apparently your book. So that's that's, that's uh, a good thing.
1: Well, thank you for letting me know, and thanks to Aunt Mary. That, uh, that certainly made my day. Um, Kathy Paulson of Geneva said, We think squirrels in our part of town have been nibbling or chewing off the base of the small groups of leaves from our maple trees. Do you think that would be the squirrels? Hmm. Uh, squirrels eat maple seeds. <laughs> they eat everything, I they think. Build, they do, but they build drays or nests in summer and early fall, and they build them from chewed-off branches bearing green leaves that they can weave together. So they might find sustenance in the twigs or chew just to maintain their teeth. And I would think the trees would be able to withstand the pruning, Kathy. Uh, Bruce Hogsdall of Albert Lee asked if hummingbirds nest in that fair city. Uh, ruby-throating hummingbirds are statewide residents. They could be found breeding in all regions of the state. But they're most abundant in northern Minnesota, and they gradually become less common in the south, southwest, and south-central regions. Breeding surveys have shown the hummingbird is common throughout the eastern half of Minnesota with its distribution lessening as you head westward. But um, I see them here. I see them at home. And speaking of that, on August 21st, that's a Saturday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., rain or shine, at Bender Park. That's in Henderson. Uh, a lot of the things will be going on at the Minnesota New Country School. Hummingbird banding. Oh, folks, you got to see this if you haven't. It's from 9 to 2. Just to see those tiny little bands they put on hummingbirds, it's smaller than you can imagine
0: Are they metal, Al, or are they plastic? What what are they made of? Are they little metal bands? As
1: far as I know, they're metal.
0: Okay, and they have little numbers or something etched in them? They do, yeah.
1: It's just, uh, well, you can imagine how small a hummingbird is, and then you need to put a band on there that's small enough that it won't be bothersome to that hummingbird. And it's just fun. It's 9 to noon, and they're going to have a garden tour from 9.30 to 10.00. With Sarah will be doing that. And then ten thirty to eleven, Larry Farr. He does a show on KSTP T V and a wonderful guy from ten thirty to eleven. Uh one to one thirty will be another garden tour with Jackie Smith. One fifteen to two PM, Donald Mitchell, uh Master Gardener, will be speaking. And then uh, two to three, it'll be my pleasure to speak at the uh, again at the Minnesota New Country School. There's no charge. I don't believe to get in. I think you just come in, but you can buy raffle tickets. They have a lot of children's activity, craft contests, uh, mall vendors, food, cool. and and uh, I hope I'm right on that. No charge. As far as I know, there's no
0: charge. Sounds like fun.
1: So, oh, it's a it's just fun, and you will see a lot of hummingbirds so even if uh, your camera is your cell phone and nothing more bring it you'll be that close to them in there and you can take wonderful videos they have a great garden so it's a great place to be i just heard from lou jean ingham of hayward asked if she found some wild rice uh that she was wondering if she could feed it to the birds um, yeah, rice is perfectly safe for birds to eat. I'm not sure how much they would enjoy it. They might not flock to it, but they are. It's good, and we all heard those tales, didn't we? You well, the myths, the yeah. Wedding.
0: The, the myths. You don't shouldn't throw rice at a wedding because the birds will eat it. It'll swell up and then they'll die. That's the myth that, it, or I, I guess it's. A, I assume it's a myth because that was the thing you always heard. So, oh, you better not throw rice. Is that the,
1: true? Yep. I had two little girls here earlier. Tell me. The same kind of thing, only the birds blew up when they ate the rice. <laughs> well,
0: what happens? Does it affect them seriously at all?
1: No. Oh. No.
0: So there's nothing to in, it.
1: Uh, yeah, in some areas, uh, birds like bobolink, they call them rice
0: birds. Okay.
1: Because they eat so much rice. Oh. And the, the last question I got is from Merv um, Do fish rot from the head down? What? You know, um, I've been around a lot of dead carp in my life. <laughs> I, I've had uh, a dog that loved to roll on dead carp and, and jump in the truck to pick up and down the road we'd go. with My head, well, both our heads out the windows. His, because he just liked <laughs> to have his head out the window and me because I couldn't stand the smell. You, I don't know where that ancient proverb started either, but the guts of fish rot and stink before the head. So, I hope that helps somebody <laughs> in their in their day's thing, and takes just um, get some comfort from that.
0: just knowing I, that
1: I do. yeah, oh hey, I want to thank everybody for coming. Sorry for the helicopters and I don't know how much noise gets through here, but there's uh this I found like the quietest place I could here, but there's still uh, a lot of things moving around but uh thanks for everybody for sitting on the front porch with Karen and me. You know, I was moving around the other day, and I stopped at one of those big box stores because it was near me. That's why we stop a lot of time at those stores when we're moving around, because it's right there. And merchandise, folks, was strewn about the store. It, it was like, a, I don't know, rummage sale gone bad. And I took a long way to get to where I needed to get to in the store in order to stretch my legs after driving quite a while. But the store was a tossed salad. Shoppers had placed abandoned items on whatever shelf or display. They wheeled their shopping carts past, and an employee was pushing one of those carts, filling it with discarded items and placing them back in their correct places. And I said, a lot of this is my job. She said, this is what I do every day. At least the shopper's slothfulness provided an employment opportunity. I remembered being a gently misbehaving boy who grabbed something I wanted from a store shelf and whined to my mother about how <laughs> much I needed, not wanted an item. I need that. I was told to put it back where I would found it. You know, shoppers could get exercise by putting things back where they found them. They would save them a gym membership. In 1916, the first Piggly Wiggly opened in Memphis, Tennessee. Piggly Wiggly pioneered the self-service retail model in which shoppers got their own groceries. Before that, groceries were sold at stores where a clerk assembled orders for customers. Don't make us have to go back to that. Thank you, everyone. Remember, Heartland as well worth driving past. Thanks for listening to me. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And Thank you, Karen. I enjoyed your company.
0: Hey, Al, so if somebody wants to go to the Freeborn Fair, Freeborn County Fair, where would they find you? Are you just wandering about?
1: Uh, a little <laughs> bit, but I'd be at the conservation building would be the That's kind of my headquarters there. And there's the Audubon booth is in there, and I'm generally by that. We have posters to give away and all kinds of goodies.
0: And and you will be there how many days, the whole fair?
1: Yeah, off and on. I get one shift off a day, so uh, usually the afternoon shift. So I'll be here till like, 2 today, and then I'll be back at 6 and be here till 10 or 11 tonight.
0: Okay, well, if you get a chance and you're going there, Say hi to Al. He'll be the tall guy uh, out wandering around.
1: Please please do say hi. I'd love to see you.
0: All right. Thanks, Al. Always great to talk to you. Have fun at the fair. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye-bye.